Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Welcome to the Gun Show. So that's a double welcome. Uh, this is a two-parter related to episode three, where we were discussing everyday carry gear and everyday carry guns. In this one, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss the other gear, the non-gun stuff. So knives, torches, tourniquets, all that sort of cool guy stuff. Uh, so we look forward to discussing this with you, uh, Kone. So with us is Tarek, as always, and Gaz. Uh, Tarek is a little bit of, a, of an EDC sort of geek. Uh, Gaz is a little bit more understated on the, uh, on the non-gun stuff. So uh, he's going to bring a different perspective to the, uh, to the second part of this episode which I think is going to give uh, everyone a, a, a nice way of looking at the additional tools and how they're actually used in the real world. Uh, we'll also care, uh, cover some med gear. Uh, that section is a little bit longer. I hope that you guys find it informative. And we're going to really be stressing skills as opposed to gear where appropriate. So we're talking about torches because Gaz was so excited to talk about torches just now. He <laughs> let's, let's talk about torches. We'll let Gaz kick this one off because he was like so excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, one of my biggest EDC tools is my torch. Um, my torch is with me even when my gun can't be with me. Uh, I use my torch doubles up for EDC and um, for my, my line of work. Uh, that choice, that choice of my EDC torch has been the Surefire Stiletto, and then I've got a bedside torch, which is a Surefire Tactician. Torches are incredibly valuable to me. Um, my gun, my torch complements me carrying the gun quite a lot. It makes quite a big difference to a variety of different things in my carry. So, my most used item in my entire EDC, apart from my cell phone is a little uh, surefire uh, titan little triple a task light um, it is absolutely tiny it attaches to my keys so you know i say that i always carry this thing with me that's not quite true if i put my keys down it's not with me but my keys are basically always with me it's always in my pocket the most used thing in my in my entire sort of except for my cell phone is this light I do carry a secondary light, which is a Surefire EDC L2T, or I sometimes carry a Surefire Stiletto. Uh, just depending on my pocket configuration, the Stiletto is a lot easier to carry in sort of more slim fit stuff because it's flat as opposed to being round. Torch is super fucking handy. Uh, you're forever losing stuff, um, trying to figure out where you shouldn't step, where you shouldn't go. What was that noise? Um, they're, they're truly handy uh, i i use this torch a couple of times a night when i take my dogs outside um, because i could run a big light but it'll wake the wife up sort of the sort of 60 lumens or whatever this thing is on its lowest setting is fantastic for that stuff remember that your uh, your weapon mounted light is not a flashlight and it doesn't sort of supplant the the need for a task light or a, or a fighting light uh, because shining your gun in people's general direction is usually a bad idea. There, there, there are some situations where it's a really good idea, <laughs> but like it's best to know up front that this is that situation by using some other torch and then going to this one. Just talking about other sort of torches, I own a couple of Surefires and I own a couple of O-lights and I own a couple of mag lights and all sorts of weird stuff. We have flashlights all over the house, task purposes. They're task lights. South Africa has a power issue. It's just reality. 
Um, I have a spare flashlight in my car all times. That is a really good idea. Um, even though I always have a torch with me, if you go somewhere and you need to hand a buddy a flashlight, I don't want to give them my light. This is my light. Um, you either bring your own or you get the cheap one that's in the car. Sorry. Um, that's just one of those things. I'm a bit of a dick. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember to change batteries on your lights frequently. Uh, this is a bit of a sore point for some people because I don't like running rechargeable batteries in my flashlights. Your choice. You can run rechargeable batteries if you want to. Uh, I find that the cost saving isn't worth the uh, the risk of having a dead battery. When I stick a new fresh battery in this thing, I know it's a new fresh battery. When I stick a rechargeable in here, maybe I've got charged. And I stuck it in the uh, in the side where the charged batteries go. So I don't personally like that, but you do you. So I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to echo, I think what a lot of people will end up telling you and what Gaz and, and Kuna have said. Of all the gear I carry around with me, the one I use the most is my torch. Um, it's just the most useful thing ever. Uh, and it's the one piece of gear you can take everywhere. You can't take a gun everywhere. You can't take a knife everywhere. You can't take pepper spray everywhere. What you can take everywhere is a torch. You can fly internationally with a torch in your pocket. Um, don't buy the one with the super death ninja sharp spikes of pain on, on the on the bezel, just buy a torch. Buy a good quality aluminium torch. It's a useful thing to have. Um, I'm a bit of a torch whore, as I discovered the other day. I have like a small car's worth of surefires. Um, and I like surefire lights because they're really solid lights um, and they, they work well. Streamlight make a good, a good light. LZ to make a good light. I think all my torches are, are currently are, are, are surefires and, and LZs but I'd happily grab a, a lot of the stream lights as well. A couple of things I like in, a, in an everyday carry torch, I want all the lumens. The brighter, the better. Anyone who tells you that if you use more than X amount of lumens inside a house, you're going to blind yourself, is talking rubbish. You can shine 2,000 lumens directly in your eyes and you may dazzle yourself, but you'll be able to see after a little while so you're not blind. Uh, if you are clever with the use of the bright light, you, you're not going to dazzle yourself. And what a bright light gives you is a couple of things. One, it's going, it gives you more light. I mean, that's self-explanatory, but it gives you more light, which means if you've got a, a photonic barrier, if you've got some sort of light source, that light has to punch through. The brighter the light, the better job it's going to do. So if there's you're in a dark room, there's something in a dark room, and there's a bit of light in the middle, the brighter the light, the better it's going to get through there. The other thing is if you've had a light shone in your eyes, or you've dazzled yourself with a mirror or something, the brighter the light you're holding, the better you're going to be able to see. The brighter light you're using, the better you're going to be able to make use of that light. So I don't really want less than 800 or so lumens on a carry light if possible, um, and, and real lumens. And, you know, there's the candela are a big thing as well, so sort of basically the dense, denseness of the, of the light. Some, some lights are set up for a lot of throw. Some lights are set up for a lot of flood. You've got to look at your reality. Um, I carry it. I've been carrying a Surefire Tactician a lot lately, um, which is quite a wide sort of flood, which works quite well in in rooms and that because it, it it fills up the room quite well. I really like my ADC L2 as well. That's 1200 lumen, super bright light. A couple of things I'm quite sort of picky about on a light, especially if it's a defensive light, not a task light. I don't want a light where I press once for low and twice for medium and three times for high and four times for five strobe and the fifth time father christmas comes and gives me a head rub and then i've got to go through all of that again 
if it's going to be multi-option, if it's going to have more than one brightness, I don't want that to be run through phasing through the the, 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 the the button on the back, except if it's a task light. Because what's going to happen is when you need all the lumens, you're not going to have all the lumens. So the tactician works quite nicely because you, you turn the head to go from sort of the 15 lumen low mode to the 800 lumen bright mode. The Elzetta works works similar except on the base so just make sure you put it back to the bright mode when you, you're done using the low mode um, or the edcl2 has got a two-stage there's various different systems on a lot of the stream lights you can you can program them and what i would do is program it to go off and bright uh, if you need anything in the middle either have another light use the light on your cell phone um, you know that's what i use as a task light a lot of the time to be honest is i pull out my iphone um, but from from the night phone the light in my pocket and as I say I carry a light everywhere I have carried light on five continents I think um, because it's the one thing you can take everywhere with you uh, and I want the bright this light I can carry in my pocket at airports I've been asked about it two or three times London Moscow Domodova and Lanseria um, what's that when they saw that it was a torch and switched on that was it. Why have you got it? Because I'm scared of the dark. Uh, but it is a super useful tool that you can walk around with your hand in, in your hand, and you're not you're not doing anything offensive to people. You're not doing anything unlawful. You can walk to your car. You know, when when we're allowed to leave our houses again, you can walk to your car through the, the parking lot in the mall with a torch in your hand. And uh, if someone comes up and says something to you, makes you uncomfortable, you can bang them in the eyes with a thousand lumens. And then go, sorry, buddy, you've done no permanent harm to them. You've done no permanent injury. If it was a genuine mistake, well, you were a bit of a dick because you shone a bright light in his eyes. But you haven't, you haven't pointed a gun at him or, or, or done anything violent to him. But you've given yourself an opportunity to move or, or, or to somehow move around him if he does have nefarious intent. The other thing is someone with a light. Um, it kind of sends a, a, a it sends a peculiar message. If everything's dark and you've got a light, you must be in charge. Um, it's just one of those strange things with people because why else would you carry a torch? So darkness happens when you don't expect it as well as when you do expect it. People have asked me why I'm carrying a torch in my pocket at, at 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, it may be dark when I get home. I may be in a shopping center and it has a power failure. Uh, I've been in a shopping center with a power failure where the generators took a while to kick on. It's dark. It's darker than a witch's armpit. Um, so, yeah, you know, have, having the ability to bang a light and 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 move and, and, and use it effectively means that you can get yourself out of there. And if something bad's happening, you don't have to switch on the light, but you've got the choice. Uh, uh, so, yeah, get a good quality light, fresh batteries, as Cornet said, carry it with you everywhere couple of things just to touch on from what T just said. Um, real lumens versus non-real lumens. Um, a lumen is a properly defined uh, measurement and it has to be taken into consideration in combination with candela. And uh, We don't care what those things mean. We just care that there is a difference. Um, I have tested a couple of torches with rated similar ratings in lumen to what my EDC L2T has, uh, which is 1200 lumens. And I found that even though the other lights were in fact probably roughly 1200 lumens uh, as a really bright center spot, 
my preferred light covered a lot more area with a lot more light while still having a similarly bright center spot. Um, that can be changed by the, the, the lens that is used on the light. But usually what it is is, uh, is is marketing babble to get you to buy a torch that isn't truly what it is. Um, I would rather have something with, with a decent amount of throw and a decent amount of spill at 600 lumens than have something that is as bright as the sun for a pinprick, like that is that concentrated, but for such a small area. You need some spill. The reason we use this thing is it's not a searchlight that you're using to find your lost, I don't know, ancestor from a million miles away in a field down below you. You're using these things typically to illuminate bigger areas where you need to see more than just a simple spot. So if you can evaluate the torches next to each other, find one that has a decent brightness because you want all the lumens, but also has a decent amount of spill. If it can't fill a typical room, uh, if you shine it up at the, at the ceiling, it's probably not the one you want. You want something that's got a bit of spill to it. I think that the, the other thing to just briefly cover there is attachments. I still have a switchback on the back of my torch, uh, which is a fancy thing that supposedly makes shooting with the guns easier while using a torch. I have found it to not be useful for that purpose. I still like it because it gives me something to hang my light off of. So I'm using it as a supplementary hanging hook. Um, I can't shoot with it in the way that it was designed to be shot, which is why I prefer lights with a rear activated pressure switch. Um, rear activated pressure switches give you quite a few options in terms of how you can shoot your firearm while still working the torch. Um, some of the other lights might have a push button that'll turn the light on and you can let go of the button and then those are sort of fine. You could work with them, but turning them off again is a bit of a ball ache because you need to find the button and because that button moves in relation to how you're holding the torch because it's on one of the long edges instead of on the back, you need to figure out where the fuck that thing is when you need to turn the torch back off. I prefer a rear sort of pressure switch on fighting torches or task lights. I don't care. And as T said, I don't like things that cycle. If I push the button, I want the light to be on and I want the light to be as bright as it can be. My chosen light's slightly different because it's activated with pressure. It's got two stages, but essentially a light push will give you a little bit of light, just a lot of light. Most people, a little light and a hard push will give you all the light. Task lights, no one cares. If it is a turny light, no one cares. If it's a push button, no one cares. If it cycles through modes, no one cares. Um, just one thing that I will say with your task lights is lower light is useful on those things because at night it's kind of annoying when you hit yourself at 1200 lumens when you need 60. So I prefer a task light that starts off on a low brightness and steps up as opposed to starts in high brightness and steps down. Fighting lights, full brightness all the time. Nah, okay. All right, we're not going to cover weapon mount lights. They're the same thing as normal flashlights. They just go in front of a gun, so you can't pull them out whenever you want to. Um, and the discussion we can have one day. T's going to kick us off with uh, sharp things. Um, gun guys, as a general rule, are knife guys. Uh, most guns guys I know have some sort of interest in knives. Most of us carry knives. Um, I'll be honest, I'm, I, I'm not a, a big, I'm not a knife fighter. I'm not a big fighting knife kind of guy. Um, I think they can be useful defensive tools, but 
I think sometimes that gets overblown. I think what we need to bear in mind as well is we, we, if you're carrying four knives on you, and some people do, that means that in a in a in a grapple, that's four weapons you've got to try and keep control of with two hands while trying to grapple someone. And I think people sometimes forget about that. That it's awesome. I'm going to have a knife in every pocket until we get in a grapple, and he finds that knife and gets that knife before I. One of the most useful knife I've ever owned in my life. Um, and I've spent lots of money on all sorts of cool guy knives. The most useful knife I've ever owned in my life is the little Swiss Army knife that lives on my keyring uh, because it's always with me and I don't mind cutting open boxes with it. And it doesn't scare anyone if I'm in the middle of the post office and I pull out my Swiss Army knife and cut open an envelope. Uh, and it's got a little key, uh, uh, tweezer or something on there. So that's a really, really useful thing. If you are going to carry a defensive knife and speak to someone who knows about knives better than I do, uh, fixed blades are better than broken knives. Trying to get a folder into action realistically, a bit like an empty chamber pistol, it, it's it's a lot slower and more challenging than people think. Um, even with all the kind of cool guy bits, I'm a huge fan of the of the Shivworks Clinch Pick, which is a little fixed blade reverse edge in knife that you carry uh, scent line on your body, so sort of the other side of your appendix. Um, you can reach it with either hand. It gives you a knife that if you need to cut a seatbelt or whatever other cool guy fantasy you've got, you can reach with either hand and cut things open with. But I think sometimes guys get a little bit wrapped around the axle with knives. I like knives. I think they're cool. Um, but I think sometimes a lot of guys over, over sort of emphasize the defensive side of them and what they think they're going to do with them. And something Puneik hit on earlier that is something to bear in mind is that clip in your pocket is a, is a signal to people. Um, not everyone who carries a, a gun carries a knife clipped in their pocket, but or not everyone who carries a knife clipped in their pocket carries a gun, but most people who carry a gun carry a knife clipped in their pocket. And it does, I, I'll never forget, it's a silly little anecdote, but I, it, it's a quite an interesting sort of observation and concealment I, I once had at my local spa. A guy walked in and there was nothing super obvious about him. There was nothing that shouted gun guy straight away. I don't know why I noticed him. Walked past me and I noticed he was wearing a pair of desert boots, you know, those sort of tan sand desert boots that only sort of gun guys wear. Um, and that was a bit peculiar. He was wearing desert boots. And, and as a result, I kind of looked at him a little bit more and realized he was wearing a pair of black cargo pants, which is also not super common. From there, I noticed that in the pocket of the cargo, cargo pants was a big silver clip from where his knife was. And it wasn't long after that that I'd worked out where his how his gun where his gun was. Um, I could see the print. I was aware of, of of where the gun was, and that was given away by by something silly. And he wasn't acting in a peculiar way. There was nothing about his behaviour that sent any any signals off. If he was wearing jeans and a pair of freaking pumas, I wouldn't have looked at the dude twice. But it was the subtle little thing of the desert boots catching my attention because it's it is out of the ordinary. And that that kind of drawing the picture to noticing that he had a gun wasn't a threat. I don't have a problem with a guy having a gun. But if I was a criminal, I would have now been aware. And if I was planning on robbing the place, my reaction to him would have been different. So that's something we need to bear in mind with little things. We think of it as just a clip in your pocket, but it is something that is out of the ordinary. And it can attract attention. It can attract the wrong sort of attention as well. So often it's better just to drop it into your pocket um, or to have something that's that, you know, on your belt, out of the way, where it's concealed, obviously, depending on, on how you dress. So, yeah, I think a, 
it's important to have a realistic idea about knives as opposed to a fantasy idea about knives. I don't want to carry anything gigantic for cutting down trees with me. The the thing I use, my, the knives I have more often than anything else is opening boxes and opening packets. Um, that's the primary sort of function, all other fantasy aside. So I'll pick up on the knife thing in a moment. I just want to briefly talk about the whole little things like desert boots. This is going to sound a little bit weird, but don't dress gun guy. I'm not into the whole like gray man thing. You need to fucking disappear. But realistically, for most of us, we started carrying firearms at 21 or after. Realistically, there are some people who started carrying earlier than that. There are some exceptions in our law and guys are a little bit older, used to be able to carry from, from the time they were 18. But you had, for most of us, 18 to 21 years before you started carrying a gun. You had some sense of dressing before you started carrying a gun. Dress the fucking way you've always dressed. Okay, there's no reason to start wearing 5'11 cargos, a Glock t-shirt, and desert boots that scream gun guy just because you now carry a gun. It's counterproductive. There's a place for that stuff, but... Don't change your everyday dress sense around the gun in a way that makes it more obvious. You can change it in ways that make it less obvious. Some people need to go up a size in shirt or up a size in pants or something sensible. Uh, but don't start dressing gun guy just because gun guy is cool. That's, that's not, it's counterproductive. You're making yourself more obvious. And you might think only other gun guys will notice. Well, bad guys are gun guys too. I carry a zero tolerance uh, pocket folder. Uh, Those are cool. I can't find I'm, mine. I'm a, I'm a couple of these in. I've lost a couple. It makes me sad every time I lose them because um, there are lots of money. But um, I find them to be immensely useful because uh, I am not a gun fight, a, a, a knife fighter, like Derek said. Uh, I find fixed blade knives to be good for what they're intended for. But most of the time, what I'm using knives for is not fighting people. Like, I can count the number of times I've had to fight people with a knife on zero hands because it's zero. Uh, like, um, I'm usually opening boxes, um, cutting biltong, opening beer. Like, a folding knife with the right technique is the shit for opening a beer. It makes you look cool too because you can open a beer with a knife. You know, I can't um, do that. Gary can't do that. So he just hands <laughs> them to me. I do carry a pocket clip. Um, I carry the knife tip up so that when it comes out the pocket, it's really easy to flip open. That's not a thing about uh, fighting. I just find it to be convenient. I don't think I'll ever be able to get this thing out of my pocket if I need it in a fight. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Find a knife that is an easy size to carry, doesn't give you away by having a stupid clip that sticks out everywhere, and find something that stays relatively sharp for a long period of time. Go look at the steels. There's some options there. Some things just retain an edge better than others. Because I cut a bunch of shit that I shouldn't carry, like cut with knives, like two by fours at a shooting range to make them fit in shooting stands, which makes the knife guys around me go, ooh. It's a 5,000 rand knife. And I'm like, bitch, it cuts everything. <laughs> like, it cuts everything. That's what it's for. I used to carry a fixed blade uh, punch dagger. There goes my keys. Uh, I used to carry a fixed blade punch dagger, which I fucking lost somewhere. Um, 
that was quite cool. I found to be a, a useful tool if you ever had to employ a knife in a fight because it, it essentially mimicked my firearm draw just with the other hand, which I found to be relatively quick because I could use the same mechanics that I'd learned to draw a gun. Never needed to use it. I need to replace it at some point when lockdown ends and we can actually get these things again. Uh, fixed blade knives are super useful if you ever need to employ a fixed blade knife in a fight. Realistically, most of us are better served with a Swiss army knife, like Terry said, or a simple pocket folder. Because that's what you're going to use most of the time. You're not going to be fighting these things. And bear in mind, South Africa, if you're fighting guys who grew up in, in areas where violence was quite common, they probably grew up with sharp weapons as a daily reality. They're better at employing these things than you are. You're probably not going to beat them in a close-up fight with a sharp object. That's not reality. You're better off getting the fuck out of there, if at all possible. That's always first prize. South African rea reality. Maybe if you live in like the middle of California where nobody's ever been in a fight ever. <laughs> that's not true. But like if you live there, maybe you have an option of bringing a knife to a gunfight because nobody's allowed to have proper guns over there. Over here, the dudes you're facing are probably much better at employing sharp things than you are by a significant margin. For me personally, I've got a soft spot for knives. I don't own many. For me, my, my knife that's on my EDC is just a pocket folder. And 99% of what it does is open boxes. Uh, it gets a sharpen every now and then. And, and I've got very limited skills in what I could do in a knife fight. So what I'd rather do is try and avoid that to the best of my abilities. Uh, I don't have any fixed blades. I don't have any fixed blade experience. Uh, my track record with knives hasn't been particularly stellar. So I need to start the training in terms of respecting the blade. Um, <laughs> so if I stick to my normal pocket folder, then that works for me. And I respect it a little more, more each day. Don't, and, and please don't get us wrong. None of us are saying that a knife is, is not a serious sort of defensive tool because it can be a very serious defensive tool. It, it, it's a devastating weapon to, to face um, when it's wielded by someone with a bit of a clue. And the bigger the knife, the less of a clue that they need. Um, but a clue is always more important than the gear. Uh, if you're going to use one as a defensive tool, um, because for whatever reason you can carry a knife, you can't carry a gun or whatever, um, as with everything, go get training and get training from someone who knows what they're doing and has a grounding in, in realistic knife stuff, uh, not fancy pants, flutter, flutter, um, looks really cool on, on Instagram, but doesn't actually work against people. So do a little bit of research if you're going to do that. Um, it's a good idea to have an understanding of, of, of how to defend yourself with a knife because a lot of the stuff um, will work with a lot of tools. You know, there, there's a lot of, if you're somewhere where you can't have a gun, but there's a screwdriver lying around or there's a pen or th th there are things you can do to use that tool to defend yourself if, if it comes to that. So it's, it's an important thing to bear in mind that I'm not saying, you know, <coughs> knives are completely useful for self-defense. Not my first choice. Um, it's not something I, you know, it's not something I genuinely, I, I, there's a lot of other options. I'd rather hit the guy in the, in the face with a tin of pepper spray than try and get a knife fight with him. Um, if those are, you know, if those are the options. Uh, that may not necessarily work, but 
we want to try and avoid sort of getting into knife fights. Uh, we want to get avoid getting into any sort of fight. But I think we need to. The, the, I think the big message we're all trying to get across is not that knives are ineffective because they're not, but that don't overestimate what you're going to do with a knife that you're going to carry. If you're going to carry a folder and use it as a defensive tool, just like with a pistol, you're going to have to spend a hell of a lot of time working on in-fight access, getting that thing in, into action, and the, the actions you're going to do to allow you to access the tool. Same with a pistol. If, if you're in a grapple, um, oftentimes going for the tool is going to put yourself, you in a far worse position than applying some basic sort of grappling skill. Because you you take a, a hand out of the fight and you now he's now out 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 handing you two to one, so that's something. The knife is not a solution, just like the gun, but the knife especially is not a solution to not having empty-handed skills. And I say especially because people sometimes think it is. The knife isn't the 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 band-aid that you put over the fact that you don't feel like going to go do jujitsu or whatever um, thing it is. The knife requires as much training and as much effort, if not more, than the, than a pistol to be able to to use effectively, or to re reliably be able to use effectively. You know, people have killed people with with bladed objects for about as long as we've had opposable thumbs. Um, but it is something we need to we need to take a realistic view to if we're going to try and use one as a defensive tool. Exactly. So I have been through some knife training in the past. Uh, I'm by no means a knife fighter and I am scared to death of getting into a knife fight because knives are absolutely devastating. So it's, it's not that knives are ineffective. It's that you are probably ineffective with a knife is what I'm saying. Um, that doesn't, that's not true for everyone, but just based on the training that I have been through and I've been through, through but, um, you're not getting out of a close quarters fight with a sharp object unscathed ever. It doesn't matter how um, poorly trained your, uh, your opposition is. You're going to the hospital with significant cuts and, uh, and slices. That is reality for everyone who gets into to a, a real knife tussle. Um, I, don't want to ever be in that situation where I need to actually defend myself against somebody with a knife, with a knife. Um, I would much rather manage space between myself and unknown people up front through awareness. And you don't need to be like super aggressive about this stuff. Like you don't need to go, I have a gun, get away from me every time you see someone getting close to you. But if you're aware that people are within your space, uh, you can keep them just by moving around at, at a position where for your own safety, you can keep them away from you and perhaps access a gun or perhaps run away uh, instead of trying to get into a close fight with them. Uh, close fighting is with knives generally is bad for both parties. And like I said, chances are that your opponent is more skilled with that implement than you are. And they might be uh, more, uh, Dedicated to the cause, if they're criminals or career criminals, um, they're, they're used to violence. You probably aren't. They're going to be a lot more committed to seriously injuring you or killing you than you are going to be to hurting them in such an up-close personal thing. Uh, knives are, are horrible weapons. Uh, but they're a reality, and beyond that, they're a super useful tool, and most of us use them as tools. Um, if you do want to use a knife defensively, uh, don't look at the movies. 
don't like watch Gerard Butler in, in Olympus has fallen or something with his, I'll stab you in the head with a knife. You're not going to do that. Um, it's, that's not reality. Go for some training. It'll thoroughly ground you. Uh, when your opponent slices you to absolute pieces while you're still trying to do something stupid, like get your knife out, uh, just go for some training. It'll give you a, a good understanding of what the hell's happening. And it might make you reconsider that, uh, well, I'll just pull my knife out. Thing. Yeah, I think I suppose the last sort of big one to cover before we wrap up, before we go too long, is um, medgear. Um, and that doesn't mean having a tampon in your back pocket. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. I'll have to throw mine away now. Medgear is, is something that is is, I think, becoming a little bit more mainstream is probably the, the wrong word, but mainstream with gun guys of late. I think for a long time, no one ever thought of it, but uh, someone much cleverer than me said that if you can make holes, you need to be able to fix holes. Um, and it is something, it, it's probably my my weakest area, to be honest. That's something I'm working on fixing, but uh, we need to have, and, and with everything we've discussed, it's not just, it's not having all the gear. Um, it's having the gear with a clue. Um, it's knowing how to operate it. But one of the things that, that, that that's happened with 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 all the the last twenty years in the Middle East is we've come a long way when it comes to to being able to deal with 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 injuries and and things like tourniquets and that have gone from never use because the dude's going to lose his arm to actually it's quite a challenge for him to lose his arm but if you do that he, what he might not do is die um, you know they won't don't work for everything you can't put a tourniquet on his neck if he's been shot in the head but uh, They've saved countless lives, and it's not a massively challenging thing to to have handy. You know, so basic med kits, you don't need to have a, a paramedic's jump bag unless you're a paramedic, but it is useful to have a, a few basic sort of things on you and, and more than just a boo-boo kit. Things like ways to stop bleeding um, are really important, and not just because of gunshots, but gunshots are reality. Um, once again, that's one of those things you can have with you everywhere. You can you can get on an international airplane or international flight with a torch, a tourniquet, and uh, you know some Celox or whatever brand of of, of blood stopper uh, you prefer. Um, and that's a that's an important thing because then you are never without that one piece of equipment. You never have to be without. Uh, as to how to carry that, that's I'm going to be honest. That's a challenge I'm working on myself. Uh, I, I, I know there's various options out there. I'm trying to find the most efficient way. Um, I make sure to have tourniquets at my desk at work, in my car, in my backpack, in my range bag. I've got uh, little individual first aid kits everywhere. Um, I've, I've yet to find a way I'm 100% happy with on body, but that's an, that's an ongoing uh, battle that I do need to find. Get a decent tourniquet. Um, you know, ideally, the, the, the ones much, people much cleverer than me recommend are the CAT, uh, the latest one is the CAT 7 or the Softy Wide. Um, and be careful where you get them from. Um, if you buy them on Amazon, a lot of the ones you buy on Amazon are airsoft knockoffs that look the part, but don't do the function of tourniquet. So, and sometimes they cost the same as the real thing, which is a challenge. So, 
buy from a reputable source um, and and don't use you know don't use your practice to, to in a case for for real life but make make a make a plan to get a bit of training with that there's some reasonably very well priced stop the bleed training around and that's you know that's that's something you're almost definitely going to need need more than your super death ninja knife skills you're very likely going to need more than your cool guy gun guy skills um, because car accidents you know not a lot of most people don't get in the gunfight. Um, most people have been in a car accident in their life or been at a playground where a kid's fallen off something or been somewhere where someone's been bitten by a dog or a list of things that can happen to people um, that don't involve you know, person-to-person violence. Or it could be person-to-person violence where you're, you're not the hero shooting the guy or even if you are the hero shooting the guy, you've now got to deal with someone who's got a gunshot wound in their femoral and they're bleeding out. Um, and you're going to be less of the hero if there's two dead bodies when you get there, you know, a bad guy and the good guy you couldn't save than if you managed to save some lives. So it's 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 not as cool for a lot of people. And and, and I, I, I know, hey, you children, who are all the cool kids. Um, but I think it's something that, that we need to be a little bit more serious about. And it's something... Especially here, we seem to be lagging, lagging behind. You know, there's this. Oh, I don't, you know, I've got a gun. If you, you're carrying a gun and three spare mags, and you don't have a tourniquet and a torch, you need to look at your reality. Um, it's all out of whack. Uh, if, if you think that you're going to get to that third twenty-round mag realistically and shove it in the gun because you've not, you've already fired sixty rounds, um, but you don't have a torch in your pocket and you don't have a tourniquet. Uh, you you need to kind of have a have a step back and and, a, and apply a reality check. So uh, Terry touched on something very important with uh, practice tourniquets. So I have a couple of fake uh, Cat Sevens, um, Chinese knockoffs that were really cheap. Do not fucking buy them. Do not use them on people. But what they make really effective sort of things to do with is practice tourniquets because even though you might not get quite to the point that you need to with a real tourniquet before you break the uh the lasso off of those the windlass off of those um they're really good for training things like how do i get this thing off my belt and onto my arm or onto my leg or how do i get this onto my wife um they're they're really great low cost solutions for practice because you need to practice these things. That's just the reality. You also probably want the real deal as a practice item because you need to make sure that you can apply sufficient pressure to actually stop blood flow. Now you can check for pulse when you apply the tourniquet and make sure that you have properly cut off circulation. That is painful. If you've never been to a training class where they force you to do that to yourself, you need to go to one. Applying it is painful. And it's not just a, a thing of making you understand that it is painful when you apply it to yourself. If you have to apply it to another individual and they start screaming while you're applying it, the worst thing that you can do is go, I'm hurting them, I'll stop. You have to push through. Okay. That re- doing that requires that you have done it before. Okay. Trust me on this. You, you have to have done it before. Otherwise, people screaming in pain will make you stop if you're a decent human being. 
Okay. It, it's, it's, it's horrifying when people start crying in pain when you're trying to help them. So I also struggle with on-body med gear carry. Um, I have tried a couple of solutions for carrying things on me. None of them have really worked for, uh, for my day-to-day life. Uh, as I said, I'm usually in my office or in my car or on the shooting range. And uh, I have a couple of first aid kits, full first aid kits in my car. I have a little 5.11 sling bag that goes over my shoulder if I'm out and about. That's got a med kit in it. My, my office has a med kit in it. My range bag has a med kit in it, full med kit in it. There's always items really nearby with a fairly easy reach. Obviously, on body would be better. But unfortunately, based on what we have available in South Africa right now for, for carry methods, I haven't found anything that really works. Uh, I have also tried some, some overseas solutions that are really well rated. Uh, and they just haven't quite worked for me. The, the other thing that Terry touched upon is you're probably going to need your first aid kit more often than you're going to need your knife for defense purposes or your gun. Um, I always make a joke. My wife broke her ankle a couple of years ago. Um, I always tell people that she got drunk at a wedding and fell down the stairs. That's not the real story, even though I find that version hilarious. What actually happened is she and about 25 odd members of my family were standing on a staircase for pictures and the staircase collapsed. So she broke her ankle. My mom had some issues with her legs afterwards. Uh, a couple of other people had some, some spinal injuries from, from the fall. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have uh, significant bleeding from anyone. And uh, we had some paramedics who were actually attending the wedding who could take care of things and rush some of their EMT buddies to the scene to help. But the reality is that uh, had they not been there, none of us were prepared on that day. Uh, that was a serious wake-up call for me. And as a result, I now have Medicare everywhere. And I've attended some training after that on how to, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means a medical professional. I can't help you in some situations, but I can do some essential things that'll prolong your life long enough for paramedics to get to you. Uh, and that's critical because accidents happen and they don't need to be violent accidents. Things collapse, things fall. People fall down. Car crashes are, are an everyday reality everywhere we go. Um, so vital skills to have, even if you, you can't go to more advanced level training for managing some of these things and Maybe you don't need that. Uh, stop the bleed. I haven't personally attended one yet. I'm, I'm hoping to attend one as soon as we can like, get out to these things again. But stop the bleed has a really fantastic reputation, both here and overseas, in making real changes, real differences in people's lives when things go wrong. And they do go wrong. So for me, the, this topic is actually the one that I have the least experience in. Um, it is something that I have been doing a little bit of research on and had decided that it is something that I need to do something about and get some training in it, get some better understanding, and then obviously get myself the correct equipment that I can at least have something close by in the general areas that I'm in, you know, the car, my bedroom, the workshop, et cetera, wherever I can have that sort of equipment or the basics of that equipment available to me with those skills should help me in the future. And I think it's going to be quite important. That's going to be that, probably part of the flashlight equipment having that with you all the time um so you spend a fair amount of like time on the shooting range 
training alone. Uh, that's probably one of the times where you need to have a, a tourniquet on you, not on your range bag, on you. Um, easy belt access. Because um, like Tarek said earlier, you shoot yourself in some places, you're perfectly fine, probably. You manage to hit yourself in the femur. You hit that femoral artery, you, you are done for in a really short period of time. Um, and it's 40 you shoot. All that, issue with that, power. Yeah. all that stopping power. It's a really quick way of going. I don't think it's, a, it's an easy way of going. It's a really quick way of going. And the reality is, is massive blood loss, which is massive loss of blood pressure, which means unable to move. Simple as that. If your, your yep. tourniquet is three or five meters from you, you probably won't be able to make it over there even though you're still alive um that was actually the that was the initial interest that got me involved in deciding to do something about that initially it wasn't from an edc perspective it was because i'm on the range regularly on my own um and having those skills from an edc perspective is going to boost having the skills for a good reason even further exactly so especially if you go to the range alone uh, if you go with a buddy who has the skills and has the equipment really nearby, they can probably help you. Uh, but if you're going alone or you're going with someone that doesn't have the experience or the equipment nearby, perhaps the equipment is nearby. They just don't know it's there. Uh, they, they won't be able to help you in that situation. There's just no way of, of realistically stopping it without the tools available. Um, and there's no way that you're going to figure out how the tools work in the really short amount of time you have to actually make things happen. Um, there is some very important things that they teach you at these training classes in terms of staging your tourniquets so that when they come off the belt, they're ready to go. Um, you need to, when you get them, don't leave them the plastic wrap. Okay. These are not sterile pieces of equipment. They're not there to stop you from getting like jungle rot on your thing that you shot yourself with. Okay. They are there to stop the blood from flowing. The doctor at the hospital will worry about infections and shit afterwards. Get them dirty. It doesn't fucking matter. You need to get them out the plastic wrap, make sure that they are in good condition, and then stage them appropriately so that you can rapidly apply them when needed. Uh, they do have a service life, though. If you're spending a significant amount of time with them in direct sunlight, they tend to go bad uh, a lot more quickly because there are, there are sort of perishable items, the, the plastic and things get stuffed up by UV as does absolutely everything. Um, so be aware that your, your med equipment is something that needs to be replaced. Things like Celox has a shelf life. Um, it's probably okay beyond the shelf life. Okay. Don't take the risk. Uh, you, can, you can leave it in your bag as your third or your fourth or your fifth option. Uh, but you want your primary to be inside date uh, just to give yourself a higher chance of success. Uh, the other thing is you need to in the basic training, they're going to tell you what you can sort of shove full of like stuff to stop the bleed and what you can't. Like you don't ever like pack the chest cavity, for instance. You need to go for training for this. You need chest seals for that situation. Otherwise, you're making it worse, not better. Um, I think we need to kind of start wrapping that up, boys. Uh, this has gone on much longer than we Yeah, this is a long one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, uh, I think the important thing is just to bear in mind with all of this stuff is 
and, and the lessons that we will probably keep repeating ad nauseum. The gear doesn't make gear makes it easier, but with all of this stuff, it's it's getting proper training. None of us are doctors, none of us are paramedics, none of us are going to teach you how to use medical gear. Um, but what we are going to do is tell you to go find something reputable and go learn how to do this stuff. Don't just buy all the gear. Um, make sure you know how to use the gear. Make sure that you have it as much of it accessible as you can, whatever that is, guns, knives, torches, med gear. Uh, have have it handy. Don't it doesn't help if it's you know really cool bag all the way at home, um, and you're not at home. So uh, yeah, um, from my side, thanks so much for for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. Once again, um, please subscribe, uh, rate us if we've if we've deserved it, um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next one of these very very soon. Thanks. Yeah, that was great. Thanks very much, guys. Um, looking forward to doing the next one. Uh, until then, stay safe. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, your reception on the previous episodes has been uh, fantastic, unexpectedly great. We really appreciate taking the time to listen to us, even though we ramble a lot. Uh, we'd like to apologize if this one was a little bit rambly and, and has gone on a little bit long. Uh, we're really passionate about these things and we're, we're really keen to get better information out there than is sometimes available to people. Uh, we don't have all the answers. Uh, we don't profess to have all the answers, but we can at least point you in the, uh, in the right direction on some of these things. Uh, I we believe that find all the questions we, yeah, <laughs> the more we dig, the more questions come up. It's interesting how that works. Now, the, the more you learn, the less, you know, uh, I believe that our next episode that will come up is going to be on dry fire. So uh, we'll uh, let you guys know when that's coming out. I guess we'll record that sometime soon uh, to not keep you guys waiting too long unless you've had enough of us after this one. And uh, after the Dry Fire episode, we have a really awesome interview coming up. We'll tell you more about that in the Dry Fire episode. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks, all you cool cats and kittens. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.